Good evening. It's really great to, to be here this evening. It's really great, I don't want to embarrass him, but it's really great to um, be in a church service being led by Cameron. <laughs> you know, I can remember Cameron when he, him and Nicola first started courting. <laughs> you know, and um, you're growing up, and, and I think I'm right in saying it's nearly his spiritual birthday. Is it Good Friday? <coughs> How many years? Pick um, on the spot. It'd be seven years. Seven years. Seven so it's, it's, years. it's really great to just be here this evening and for yeah. Cameron to be leading and leading us holy communion and just yeah, bless you, Cameron. Thank you. Um, so thanks for having me. <laughs> it's good to be here again. And um, thanks for Cameron for reading that passage for for me. It was about um, November last year in um, our church in, in Rill. We do a series of, of, of what, what the young people call vlogs um, three times a week. And we do a short video and on a different theme. And so I was asked to do a short video on the character of Elisha. And Elisha was somebody who, if I'm being honest, I've not really spent a lot of time learning about and reading about. And so I read Elisha's story and as I read the story that we've, we've had read for us and the rest of Elisha's story in, in Two Kings onwards, we, we come across this, this phrase that's used three times. And it's the phrase, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And I remember when I read it, I thought to myself, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, three times it's used. But then when you read a bit further on into Two Kings, um, you come across uh, the, it being used again. So in this bit here, Elijah, Elijah, not Elisha, he just wants to go and be in the presence of God. He knows that his time is up, as it were, and, and three times he says to Elijah, just stay here now and just let me go on. But three times Elisha says this phrase to him, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live. I will not leave you. And one of the things that, you know, some things the Bible just make, make you chuckle and I just love the way that um, these prophets come to Elisha and say, do you, do you not know that Elijah is going to, to die today? And Elisha responds very matter-of-factly with an air of annoyance. Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. <laughs> you know, shut up. Leave me alone. <laughs> but um, as we read further into the, in the book of uh, two, two Kings, into chapter 4, we come across a woman from Shuman, referred to as the Shumanite woman. I'm not sure on the pronunciation, I'm just a Shumaning, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a woman who held Elisha in such high regard that um, she had an extension built on the roof of her house for Elisha to stay in whenever he was journeying by. And he was so grateful for the hospitality and he asks her, what can I do in return for you? And the woman responds that she would like to have a child. So Elisha responds and, and tells her that in a year's time, her and her husband will have a child. And then God's word comes to pass and they are blessed with a boy. And then you read on in, in the verses and the boy grows up and one day, He's with his father when he starts to complain about a pain in his head. And so his father sends him home to be with his mother. And then we read that at noon that day, he dies. 
The Shimonite woman, she's distraught and she goes and she finds Elisha and she tells him what's happened and Elisha tells his servant to go to the child and lay his staff on him. And in verse 30, we come across this phrase again. The Shimonite woman says to Elijah, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So Elisha goes to the child and God miraculously heals the boy, brings him back to life. So we have this phrase, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. It's used four times in this, in the, in this story of, of Elisha. Elisha saying it to Elijah and this Shumanite woman saying it to Elisha. And so what I'd just like to spend some time this evening doing is just examining the phrase, looking at what's being said and looking at what's being said with it. So who was Elisha? That's the first question we need to ask. And so we, we first read about Elisha, Elisha in 1 Kings 19 verse 16, where we're told that Elisha will replace Elijah as the prophet for Israel. And then as you read on in chapter 19 verse 19 onwards, you read about the call of Elisha. How one day Elijah was walking by and he drapes his cloak over Elisha as he's working, symbolising a transfer, a calling to Elisha from Elijah, from God. And Elisha, he thanks God by sacrificing his oxen and immediately leaves his, his home, his parents and his livelihoods and he follows Elijah. Now, some of the things that stuck out to me was that the, the whole story in these passages, they have reminders and they have pointers of Jesus. With Elisha, the calling of Elisha, he left his home and job to serve God under Elijah. And the, Israel, and the disciples left their livelihoods as Jesus called them and they went and they followed Jesus. With the Shimonite woman whose son died, who went to Elisha. In the Gospels, we read about a synagogue leader called Jairus, whose daughter had passed away. And Jairus went and found Jesus and asked him to come and to heal her. So what these stories all have in common is, is that there is a dependency on God. And that's what I'd like to suggest that the phrase, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you, is meaning. Why did Elisha not want to leave Elijah? Why did he respond to this expression three times? Because to Elisha, Elijah was someone who carried with him the presence of God. Somebody who God was using and Elisha wanted to be near that presence, wanted to be near to God. Why did the Shumanite woman go to Elisha? Because she knew that he was a man of God. She says in 2 Kings 4 verse 9, the woman says to her husband, Behold, now I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. So she knew that Elisha was a man of God and she went to him because she knew that this man of God could do something about the situation that she was in. She could, he could do something about her son. It's wonderful to be in the presence of God, isn't it? In our times of worship, when we're reading God's word, we'll gather together as God people through, through his teaching. It's a wonderful place to be. I was blessed to be brought up in a Christian household. My parents were Christians, as you, as you all know. <laughs> my grandparents were Christians and my memories of my childhood and my grandparents are, are memories of godly people. Being in their homes, being in their presence, God was there with them 
And when I look back at those times, I recognise that God's presence was there. Going to church, growing up, you know, went to church in a Pentecostal church. And when you're a child and you hear people speaking in tongues and, and prophesying, you don't know what's going on. But I always knew that God was there. That what was happening was something that God was doing. And I'm thankful that I was brought up and surrounded by people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who carry the presence of God with them. And this is what we learn from these passages. It's the importance of being a people who carry the presence of God with us. Wherever we go, whatever we're doing, living lives that are God-honouring in everything that we do. Lives that people can see that have been changed by God. And what I just want to do this evening is just look at two characteristics of God's presence that we see from these verses. We have two, two points, both beginning with T. God's presence is tangible and God's presence is transforming. So God's tangible presence. So what does tangible mean? Well, it means that you know it's real. It means that you may not see it, but you have or you are experiencing it. That there is no denying its existence. And as I say for me, as a child growing up, going to church, I felt it. I felt God's presence when I was there as a child. I didn't understand it, but I felt it and I knew that it was God. Being brought up in a, in a household that was filled with, with worship to God, with godly parents and grandparents I knew that there was no denying God's existence because I was seeing it I could feel it being from from Hereford the first football match that I went to see was Hereford United and um, it's longer than I care to think about but it's back then Hereford were a lot better than they were than they are now and the first football match I went to see was Hereford United against Fulham and I remember going there as a child and the atmosphere was electric. People were shouting and chanting and singing their songs and cheering on the team. And, you know, you just felt the atmosphere, the excitement, the, the anticipation that was there. And then when we moved to Bournemouth, I was fortunate to be able to go to some Southampton matches, which was, was like Hereford, but on a much bigger scale. And experiencing that same electric atmosphere. And my point is that you're experiencing a feeling, an atmosphere that you, you can't see, but it's there. You get caught up in that excitement. And, and God's presence for us is similar in that we feel his presence with us. As we worship him, as we pray, as we go about our daily lives, we carry his presence with us and we feel his presence there with us. It's great to be in God's presence. It's great in a time of communion. Just to spend time in that, spend time remembering what Jesus has done for us and spend time in his presence. In the Old Testament, God's presence was in a place called the Holy of Holies, a place at the front of the tabernacle and later on the temple, restricted only for the high priest to enter. He was the only one who had access to it and only to present the sacrifice for the forgiveness of the people. And such was the importance of this holy place that there was a barrier stopping people accidentally walking into there. The curtain, the veil, and it was so thick that you could walk into it and you wouldn't go in. And then in the New Testament, Jesus arrives. 
Jesus lives the perfect life and offers himself up on the cruel cross for each one of us as the perfect sacrifice. And we read in Matthew 27, 51, when Jesus died and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. When Jesus died, the curse in the temple was torn into. The separation was gone. God's presence is here with us now. We have access to him because of Jesus. Praise God. Such was the powerfulness of this situation. Of course, we're going to celebrate this next weekend. But of course, such was the powerfulness of the situation that the centurion standing at the cross proclaimed. Truly, this was the son of God. There was no denying it. God's presence was real. And now God's presence is with us. It's his presence in our lives that makes a difference in us. We can't do it by ourselves. God's presence is within us, working within us, sanctifying us, making us holy. The Shimonite woman, she recognised this in Elijah. Elisha recognised it in Elijah. They could see God was with these two individuals. They were prophets, men who God had chosen and used to tell people what he wanted to say and what he wanted to do. And they had God's presence with them. And we today, as God's people, we carry that presence with us. Wherever we're going, whatever we're doing throughout the week, we carry his presence with us. Why? Because we've been born again. We're new creations. We've been transformed by the power of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. The biggest example, of course, of God's presence that we read about is in the Bible, I would say, is in Acts 2. When the Holy Spirit descended and filled the disciples in that prayer meeting. What a prayer meeting to be in, hey? Imagine being there. But God's presence come, descends, and he fills his disciples, and it was so tangible that they spoke in different tongues. They're the same, there seemed like tongue fire above them. God's presence arrived in such a powerful way that they stumbled onto the streets and proclaimed the gospel message and 3,000 people were added to the number that day. That's the power of God's presence. That's what God can do. When God's presence is there, amazing things can happen. It just thinking about God's presence again in 1904 the Welsh Revival Welsh Revival broke out God's tangible presence filled people filled churches in such a way that pubs were closed that football matches were postponed because people just wanted to be in the presence of God God's when God's presence is there amazing things can happen Perhaps the most amazing thing for those of us who are Christians today is that God's presence has saved us. God's presence has transformed us. God's presence has set us free. And that leads me on to the second point, God's transforming presence. So we read in this story about Elisha and Elijah and how when Elisha was called by Elijah by God in, in 1 Kings 19, 19, he drapes his cloak over Elisha signifying to Elisha that he had been chosen by God to take over from him. And then we read in 2 Kings 6 that when Elijah is taken up into heaven, Elisha takes Elijah's cloak and says, Where is the Lord, the God of Israel? And Elisha then strikes the water with the rolled up cloak 
and the water parts, showing that God's presence is now with Elisha. It's, the mantle has been passed on. Elisha's life has been transformed. God's presence is now with him in his life. Elisha wasn't the person that he used to be anymore. He was now somebody that God was using, a man of God. God has the power to transform our lives. You know that? He transformed our lives. He has the power to do amazing things. He transformed my life at the age of 11 in 1997 in a small Welsh village called Pennygrose. God transformed my life that day. I heard what Jesus had done for me and I made the decision to give my life to him. Asked for his forgiveness and I invited him into my life and I was transformed that day. Born again, no longer living my life for myself, instead living my life for Jesus. A new creation, the old had gone and the new had come. What made me make that decision? God's presence. As I was there in that meeting, I was aware that I had sin in my life. And God, God made me aware of that, convicted me. Let me know that I needed to ask him for forgiveness. And I did. And God transformed my life. We looked earlier at how when Jesus died, the veil in the temple was torn in two. Well, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 to 14, we read, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins... He sat down at the right hand of God and since that time he waits, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Christ's sacrifice on the cross for each one of us is enough. Christ died once for all. No one is excluded. Nothing extra is needed. Just the work of Jesus. The Shumanite woman we read about, she went to Elisha because she needed God's help. Her son had died and she needed God to intervene. So she went to Elisha because she knew that God could do something about the situation and God stepped in and brought this boy back to life. Well, thank God that we know here this morning that we have all come to that place once in our lives where we recognise that we needed to be brought back to life. That we needed to allow God to step into our lives and give us the new life that he offers. Thank God for his transforming presence to each one of us. We're no longer the people that we used to be. Thank God for that. We've been transformed by the power and presence of Jesus. And then just to close, let me just read this. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
So we started with this expression, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. An, expressing, an expression signifying that the person saying it recognised that God's presence was with, with the individual they were talking to. And now in Matthew's Gospel, we read here in verse 20 that Jesus says, I am with you always. God is with us. Talking to his disciples, but it's true for us, for each one of us here today. He is always with us. And I'm so thankful for my relationship with God. So thankful his presence is continually with me. That, he, I, because I tell you, I need him. I need his presence in my life. I need him with me. Where would I be without Jesus? I don't know. But I thank God that he's with me. I thank God that his presence is with me. And I'll always say this, that when I'm, I'm driving to work, I can talk to Jesus. When I'm going about my bits and bobs at home, I can talk to Jesus. His presence is with me. I love the fact that when I'm at work and a customer is shouting at me, I can call out to Jesus. Not out loud, that would be weird, but in my head I can call out to Jesus and ask for his help. I love that his presence is with me wherever I go. It's so wonderful to have a relationship with Jesus. Paul writes in Romans 8 verse 38, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What can separate us from God's love? What can separate us from God's presence? Absolutely nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's his promise to us. That his love is for all of us and that he is with us always. Let me just tell you today that if you know Jesus, take this encouragement. That Jesus says, I am with you. Wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, God's presence is there. And I don't know everybody here this evening, if you don't know him, then let me tell you that God's presence is here. He's here this evening and he's knocking on the door of your heart. You just need to let him in. Should we just bow our heads and just pray? Just, just as we, Cameron was leading and we were singing, I just felt this, this verse just drop into my spirit and just, uh, just says, be still and know that I am God. And God, we just thank you for that this evening. Thank you that your presence is with, with us. Thank you, Jesus, that you tell us that you are with us always. Thank you, Lord, that no matter what we might be going into this week, that we know that your presence is with us. Thank you, Lord, that you're there with us each day. When we wake up, we can turn to you. Throughout the day, we can turn to you. In the evenings, we can turn to you. At night, when we awake and we're alone, we can turn to you. And we just give you thanks for that this evening. And I just pray, Lord, for everyone here, that as we go into this week, as we go through the week, that whatever may come our way, Lord, that we would just take time and just remember to be still in your presence and know that you are God. That you are ruler over the situations. You are ruler over the circumstances. And your presence is with us. And as we do that, Lord, may your peace that passes all understanding just flood our hearts. As we know that you are with us. We give you thanks and give you praise. Amen.